listening to Charge Podcast, episode 40, the podcast that looks at tech under the hood. I'm your host, Owen, and joining me today is your co-host, John. How are you, man? I'm joining you for episode 40. Woo, we made it to 40. Hibiscus. I can't believe it. Hibiscus. I really... Do people know, like, people, people are, like, yeah. listening who aren't in Slack have no, no idea, idea what Hibiscus is. No idea. But so, that, if you're not in Slack, you should get in there. Yeah, because then you'll understand the <laughs> uh, Hibiscus invitations joke. Invitations are still open. You can sign up at Charged the website google it it's very hard to explain char.gd slash slack there's a there's a secret link it's really cool how are you <laughs> i'm good i'm good weather here is dismal today but no um, that's okay Being beautiful here and myself and i think all the co-founders of DigitalOcean bar two and wow. Then just some of our random friends. Sorry, I'm not mm. to lump myself into the Digital Ocean co-founder bucket. I am not one. Um, <laughs> are coming to early employees. Come, yes, early employees coming to Amsterdam for King's Day. Woo! Oh my god, I know. that is going to be a crazy party. I don't even know what King's Day is. It is. If you want to like, it's if you had a whole country that partied in the same costume on a single day, and it was a public holiday, and beer was dirt cheap. That's what King's Day is. Oh, in New York, we have that. It's called SantaCon. Really? Yeah. Oh, God. It's, yeah, so it's like that, except literally the whole country is celebrating and people aren't dressed up like Santa. They're all dressed in national <laughs> their national color, which is orange. And, like, it's insane. The canals will have so many boats that nobody can move. You can, like, walk along them. It's, an, it's, it's something else. I'll tell you that much. So good choice. Maybe we should do a charged IRL in Amsterdam. Ooh, that would be fun. Yeah, we can meet at a coffee shop. I don't know. <laughs> that's an Amsterdam thing to do, right? I think that's what you guys do. Oh, this was early. Two minutes in. Not sure. I'm not sure it? about this one this week. Why? That's why I'm doing it early, because then it gives a room to text me and say, oh, I can talk to you in five minutes, which right. seems like he's going to do. Oh, well, we try again later. So, do you want to talk about technology? Technology? It's yes, let's do it. Ah, uh, man, we have some good stuff this week. Snapchat, our favorite of all the things. Did you hear the bad news? Wow. Well, okay, it's not uh, I the heard, bad news. I it's heard not the bad funny news. news. It's just weird. <laughs> it's really weird. Okay, what's the weird news? A while ago, some guy was like, "Oh." Um, I worked at Snapchat as an early employee, and I was responsible. Anthony Pompilano or something. I just found the TechCrunch article where he got hired by Snapchat. So wait, okay. So he moved to Los Angeles to work at Snapchat. He was the head of growth That's at Snapchat. Right. He, he was. used to work at Facebook, and he worked there for three weeks at Snapchat, and then he got fired or quit. I think he quit. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so the story is this guy basically is suing snapchat he sued, sued them in january for falsely misrepre- falsely misrepresenting its internal user metrics to inflate its ipo warp, warp. that is not good if true well i it, yes i think one of the things that is important to recognize is that there are a lot of different ways to report metrics and so i would say uh you know in era in the early days of startups you like definitely um uh well i think a lot of people in the early days Mm. of startups definitely put their metrics 
specifically sort of out there in a way that obviously puts them in the best light that i think that's every tech company ever yeah, though right like but well you talk about are, monthly active users even though the rest are terrible like i have 150 million monthly active users but they were only active this month and never came again right <laughs> yeah you know i mean there is definitely i've seen some pretty crazy metrics where where but the thing i guess the thing i'm saying is you get presented with what seems like a really like you just said a really you know standard you know something that you could say oh i understand what this means and then you don't you don't realize and they never explain that this is how they define that thing right right and so um and like that uh I won't give any examples, but like, I've just seen some like crazy, <laughs> crazy versions of that. So, you know, it, I guess, I guess like it's, it's fair to say, or like, it's important to recognize that that might be what's going on here. And so right. if that, if, or, or they may have also just flat out been like, you know, define things. And, well, and this lied. guy, this guy is f- like a guy who should know this stuff though. He's a growth lead. He should know he was hired to manage that team from Facebook of all people. Right. Like. It's he should he should know what's up, and so basically the actual so what actually happened this week he's been oh, yeah, suing so them sorry. since January. We haven't even what actually happened. happened is he's basically trying to unseal the documents of his allegations because right now they're sealed because it's like internal metrics and it could be like uh, material to snap, but his argument is they shouldn't be because it's you know well he to quote he says it's systematically built through a coordinated effort from snaps executives to personally reward themselves true because evan spiegel and that other dude own like 80 percent of the company so i can see the motivation too right like it could be like the dirtiest tech ipo of all time maybe but it's it's still it still feels like a stretch sure i mean yeah it it's like uh, the only example i can think of offhand but if you've if you've ever seen a news site say something like we have 15 million hits a month a bullshit b 15 million people but they spent three seconds on your site so you're conveniently not telling us the actual sure. metric that matters so i'll right? tell you one thing we did in the very early days of DigitalOcean that we stopped doing basically after i think our first first serious board meeting where the board was like uh uh and that was um just registered users but didn't count everybody does that but didn't count that if they had activated their account or not right so it wasn't active it was just like oh, some, so they typed the email address in you literally <laughs> typed an email address into a box which and then like, i think is like i'm sure there were instances where there were spam versions and, you know there was just you know crazy yeah, sure. crazy bullshit or whatever so i think that was like an early metric that we used as but like i mean also at that point we were we were also generating you know millions of dollars so we had other metrics that we could put into with that that's kind of, you know, was a, an orchestra or a concert of of all the context together, right? And so, right. you know, then I don't, if that's the only metric you show, I think you're just straight up lying to your investors, right? But if you're like, you exactly. know, we have all these registered users, mm, you know, sure, some of them didn't click the link, but also, you know, maybe we just ran this campaign and people haven't, you know, have just put in their email address, but haven't got click through yet or whatever. Right. Like, yeah, sure. No, it's not, but, and I, so I could see it being an, in, you know, maybe an instance of something like that with Snapchat, but the other thing with Snapchat, how do you create, how do you authenticate to Snapchat? Like, how do you make an account? You don't have to verify at all. 
like how does Snapchat it work? Snapchat is famous because you just make an account and like you can send snaps. That's it. There's no you the e- well maybe it's changed, but when Snapchat started, it's yeah, true. It's or you have to be. You don't even need to activate your email. Like I never got an email from Snapchat being like confirm your email address. <laughs> I'm gonna check. Since there's a dog howling. Can you hear the dog? <laughs> sad dog. Yeah. We call him sad Very dog. sad dog. Oh, we call him sad dog. He's so sad. I might have to turn up my gain so you can hear him. But he, yeah, he um, or she does this like at least twice a day for like five minutes. I don't know. I think it's, I wow. don't know. And, but it's the saddest howl. So sometimes I wake up, I'm like, sad dog. It's okay, man. Like, chill out. <laughs> Oh, so back on Snapchat, uh, I looked at my email account, right? I've had this email account for years, never got a confirmation email from them. I suddenly got a, somebody logged into your Snapchat account email in 2015 on the date I replaced my iPhone. Uh, and another email I have is a email from Snapchat's team telling me that I'm completely wrong about something. <laughs> Uh, that I wrote about. Yeah, I'm just opening my Snapchat app, and I actually don't have an email address even in it. I don't have a username yeah, set either. Go. That's what I'm saying. So, like, there's no, like, they don't ever check if you're active. The only actual meaningful statistic is if they count active users, right? And they claim they've got 140 million, but what defines an active user? Well, what does define an active user? Have they? Ever, I don't know if they've ever said that. I don't think so. Anyway, so it could all be terrible. I don't know. It's kind of like that Facebook one. Wasn't there like a whole drama about how Facebook prices shares wrong or something? Yeah, but then, I, don't know. I mean, look, who cares? This is some guy like, you know, at the end of the day, all that really matters at this point is how Snapchat takes all of the money that they convinced a bunch of people well, to give them. Yeah, and public now. What are yeah. they going to do? So they just need to like, they just need to chase that valuation that they've set themselves. Mm-hmm. At, and that's that. Right. They better go on with it because they've got a long way to go. Oh man, so on that topic, we should talk about the infection of Facebook stories everywhere. Have you noticed it's in every app ever now? No. Oh God, do you not have it in the US? So in the Facebook main app, they added stories last week. I don't have the Facebook app on my phone. So I didn't. I downloaded it just to see. Uh, I use like, have you have you seen mbasic.facebook.com? It's perfect. I know about mbasic.facebook.com because of you and it's awesome. Yeah. I use it because I for Messenger. <laughs> Just because but, you've but you've told people about that now, so yeah, I, they're probably going to get rid of they're it. They're going to get rid of it because you've you're making it all. So for the last year, I've been or two years, I've been trying to find ways to get around the fact that they try and force it's you to so use Messenger, annoying. and it used to be just nuts. I just don't reply to my messages, which is kind of good, but it's so annoying. Me too. And the only people that message me on Facebook are people who I want favors Facebook. anyway. So I mean, I I do like it, but come on. It's everywhere. It's amazing. So in Messenger, it's insane. Like the user patterns are ridiculous. I like this is coming from the guy who loves Instagram stories, by the way. But um, in Messenger, if you send a private photo to somebody, it asks you while you're trying to send it to them if you want to add it to your story, which is super aggressive. And then in the main Facebook app, it's always at the top of the app, no matter what you do now. So like stories is just there and that they're all separate stories. They're not connected. None of them work together. And it's super annoying. And the best part is it's just like empty because <laughs> no one's using it. Well, at least in my circles, but I've heard a lot of others say the same thing. I mean, it's anecdotal, but I mean, what Facebook is doing is literally they're trying to capture any of the markets that Snap could go into just in case. Probably not. Basically. A, not a bad idea. Yeah. I mean, they have a billion users. So if they can get Brazil to use 
Facebook stories instead of Snapchat, boom, advertising. You know, it's it's smart. It's also horrible, but it's just kind of fun to watch them pretend. You know what I realized yesterday? I like also have no idea what like 15 year olds are like doing or like or like whatever <laughs> these days like i how much contact do you have with teens none I, like, it was so weird because someone on my facebook um said the other day i'm doing some ethnography does anyone know um some people humans between the ages of 13, <laughs> 13 and 20 to talk to about their web habits and i was like oh i don't know anyone that age period and i also don't know how they use the internet period so yeah right that's weird i should i'll tell you how teens use the internet i have consulted two teens no okay this is this is my perception of how the teens use the internet if you're a teenager write in and tell us how you use (laughs) the teens no well, well i think a lot of studies or a lot of things have shown that teens basically use the internet through apps and they don't really use web browsers because that's how they grew up. They got used to that. I don't know. That's what I've heard. If you're a teen and you're listening, tell us how you use the internet. <laughs> that's probably true. I feel like that seems... Well, if you grow up with a smartphone, like, why would you ever use a web browser? I think that's a really old way of interacting with the internet. Yeah. Why would you, why, Like, the internet is just the thing that gets you to the place. Why would you type in to go to Facebook when you could just open the app? You know, that's that's the way I think of it. And I've, I've talked to teens, two of them. So please, God, everybody's going to crucify me from this terrible data set. But uh, they, they would say to me, like, why would you use the browser? What are you doing that for? They would only use it to Google things. Um, I was on a podcast about this, which I've mentioned before. Um, Cheetah. Quite some time ago. Uh, November 2014. If you Google. I'll forgive you. Jerry Chen new stack podcast. Uh, there's one um, web versus mobile versus native versus open. And it's just me and Jerry talking about how there's a very good chance that apps will replace the web for general for um, specific content consumption in the future yeah, and that i think so yeah uh well it just hasn't it hasn't happened as quickly as i had expected it no, to, to be that's honest true but also like think about how the domain names are really nice but also they're super limiting first of all you have to like type something into the computer to like you have to know what to type or google or whatever but also the whole concept of the dot com is stupid like if you have an app name well that's it's mostly an optimization or seo race at that point now like you can't get the top dot com for anything except like blah, 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 dot com. You know, like it's it's not possible. <laughs> sure, and and I I I um I think the dark horse and all of this is kind of Google in a sense because it's not in their best interests for native really to win because um, obviously Absolutely. they have considerably less insight into um, the internet generally and they require that insight in order to to do their contextual advertising network which is the core to their business. It's obviously. also not discoverable. It's not discoverable. It just doesn't doesn't they, can't index they don't apps. have leveraged the same control in that world. Um, and that's and that I suspect is why um, Apple pushes so heavily towards um, towards apps. Why Safari is effectively a second class citizen. Um, why they were the last to join yeah, the no table in the yeah no service workers. Um, they were the last to join um, 
the uh, WebRTC working group, you know, they, you know, God, it's, and it still hasn't shipped. Yeah, because they didn't, you know, they don't want it to compete with FaceTime and stuff like that. And then you have Google with now AM, um, AM. P, right and um amp. yeah amp and win amp it really whoops the really left kicks the uh, <laughs> two for two um and then and then material design or whatever that shit they push and i even said in this podcast with jerry i'm like and i and then there, we did another podcast with uh paul irish who is basically the product manager for chrome at at google um at the time time he was running developer relations and um john lilly founder of uh, a founding ceo of mozilla um and myself and um i think there was someone else oh yeah um you know that crazy guy monk chips um james governor the analyst from red monk the web okay he, maybe you don't he's an infrastructure analyst and i was like it's it's uh, it's the standards body's fault. It's like, it's the people who are responsible for pushing the web forward have basically been like sitting around talking about like, you know, the evolution of, I don't even know what, like they haven't done anything. They haven't stayed modern. They haven't like pushed, you know, suggestions for, for, there was a time when W, um, W3C was sorry I'm getting ranty as hell, but like there was a time no, when I W3C love it. I love was it actually this is exactly like, what I mean. yeah, there's, there's this woman, Fiona, um, she was, um, her online handles like Faye, uh, she worked on, she actually, way after I worked on DeviantArt, she ended up being really like a, a very important person in DeviantArt's history, right. but she worked for the BBC and she was specifically assigned, I think W3C and she, um, defined all these like micro formats and standards and all these things that were like wow. super progressive and like, Hey, look what the browser can do now. It was mostly for accessibility. Everything. Look what the browser can do now. Like we need to push forward in like our standards and how we expect people to, you know, implement and do things. And mm. that was the last time. Oh, her husband, you probably know is Alex slightly late on Twitter. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't think we do that kind of stuff anymore. And so now we have the new standards body is basically Google, Google Chrome. Google Chrome is like the standards body for the web these days. Like there's, so it's like, that's, true and you think about like i was just thinking about the technologies that we're working on so they have google is working on progressive web apps which are basically entire mobile apps that download the first time you hit the website and it works offline it's incredible alibaba has the coolest one you can try by the way if you want to do it on an android phone go to alibaba.com add it to your home screen boom the whole website works offline Ooh, wow Cutting that's everything. cool it's incredible. It's incredible. And that's a progressive web app. And then Google also has WebVR, a lot of other stuff, WebRTC. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Web, at W3C, Google has to go to them and beg them for like five years to make it a standard. Well, in a lot of instances, they just the browsers just do whatever they want these days. Well, Google, did you see that Google has 82% of the browser market now on the desktop and mobile? Oh, I'm surprised. Makes those Chrome. It's incredible. Makes those Chromebook things look a hell of a lot more attractive, huh? So, okay, I don't want to talk about Chromebooks too much, but I think Gen- the genius strategy with Chromebooks is Google has them in schools. They're dirt cheap. If you ask a lot of elementary to kind of, uh, I don't know, like what's it called? Like teenagers. middle grade students. Yeah, teenagers uh, in the US and New Zealand, Australia, they all use Chromebooks and their parents bought them one for 200 bucks or whatever the shit. It was probably subsidized by their school and that's all they use. That is their, like, they don't use desktop apps on a computer. It's crazy. I love it. It's actually genius. So all these kids grow up only using Google Drive and only using fucking Gmail and all this stuff. 
and then they get they get to the workplace and they're like, "Why the f- do you have Microsoft Excel on your computers? What like what are you doing?" So it's I I also appreciate that shift on the desktop from these machines that are powerful and can do anything. I mean, why like we're all buying MacBook Pros, but let's be honest, we spend most of our day in a browser. So yeah, I think it's I think it's genius. The whole Google strategy and the fact that they have the, the whole market basically is incredible. Anyway, I don't know how we ended up there, but here we are. <laughs> That what like this whole topic wasn't even in the Trello. It's perfect. Yeah. Okay, briefly, I just want to talk about the Uber thing, just because it's an, a small update on uh, what's happening. You remember Waymo was suing Waymo, the Google self-driving company, was suing Uber's self-driving truck company, Otto. God, what a mouthful for that guy who used to work at Waymo, who stole their technology and then made a self-driving truck mm-hmm. with it. Basically, this week. They invoked the Fifth Amendment right, so they do not self-incriminate in court. So, so they're not going to give any evidence. So, I asked my girlfriend about this because she's le lawyer, and I said, "Okay, why are they doing this?" And she said, "Either they've got a terrible lawyer, or they've made a terrible mistake." <laughs> oh no! So maybe they regret hiring this guy. Uh, well, either their lawyer is an idiot, or. They have really, really fucked up. Yeah, and I, I, I suspect what's actually going on is they fucked up and they didn't know until this happened. Um, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Well, so basically she said that the reason that they don't, like they've probably invoked the Fifth Amendment is that they, if they were to continue to give evidence in this civil case, they believe that they would reveal such that they are criminally responsible for something else and that and that and that then they would you know i guess so that incriminate themselves somehow yeah and so she said well that probably means they've done something criminal uh oh dear well there's that a surprise it's uber it's in their blood so i mean in reality what probably happens now is like a lot of negotiation and back and forth with like the DOJ and, and um, some prosecutors and stuff like that on figuring out how to proceed. Cause well, it's going to get super weird. I don't know. It's, it's going to be very strange. It's going to be very hard for them to defend themselves in their civil trial, basically. And this is all a race to the bottom of Uber's capital, right? They need to build the self-driving car before they run out of money. Now, and if they stole it, that's going to suck. It'll be I mean, fun. There, it also could... There's another thing that I just thought of, which I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know. But I feel like there's also a chance that if Uber feels like it's got such a good case against Waymo, mm. then they don't want those people to testify uh, if they can just like you know present enough... Um, sort of written right. evidence, but I don't even know if that's really. I guess the other thing is like there's a chance that they would reveal technology that they have yeah, that nobody of, knows they have. Yeah, that's sort of I think what I was getting at. But even then, I yeah. just think uh, it's okay. a stretch, though. Isn't it weird how I t- told you last week on the podcast that the weirdest <laughs> thing that I uh, went over the business for with someone was this: people were thinking about putting things in their brain yeah and you're in san francisco and you're talking to people and now it's happening did you talk to elon musk while you were there i'm pleading the fifth <laughs> okay you explain because i actually didn't even read much about it uh i mean i know what i, I mean, had the conversations the, that i had in person but i don't know that the tldr is 
Elon Musk announced another company. He's always announcing companies. He announced a tunnel company like a month ago. Anyway, <laughs> he announced another company called Neuralink, which in essence is a company with the goal of connecting the human brain to a computer. Nothing dystopian about that. Nothing at all. <laughs> no, it's actually, it's really interesting. He basically said that he has to do it because the existential threat from AI is so grave. So he thinks that if we enhance our brains with computers, then we'll compete with them or we'll have a chance basically, which you can, you can see the logic, right? But like, so connect a computer up to your brain and you can enhance your thought power. So maybe you get smarter, maybe you have better memory. One of the interesting things that I thought of when he suggested that was, well, what if it was about input output, right? Because the limitation that we have right now is we're big meat bags who can't get our thoughts into a computer faster than we can on a keyboard, right? So what if the Neuralink was more about that than anything else? Yeah, I, I, feel I mean, like there's a lot of things. I actually think... Like keyboards are very bad. <laughs> for sure. I think the body is already equipped with some relatively, not even relatively, some actually, as far as we can tell, like amazingly high uh, throughput, high input sensors i mean if you think about the number of nerves that you have that collectively make up all of the touch that is the feeling mm -hmm. that you have on all of the pieces of your skin across your whole entire body and then you think that there's an algorithm that runs that makes you aware of certain and like well even like you don't notice feeling necessarily feeling the wind all the time i'm sure like you know it's like your i'm sure your um nerves have some degree of like sort of resolution if you will that like you know so they don't detect some things like I, I think your brain sort of shuts stuff on and off right but it's like the same i don't you don't really feel your clothes when you're wearing them but surely you're feeling yeah, your clothes right. right yeah there's some some like subroutine running that it's like you don't need to know about the fact right. that you're wearing a t-shirt <laughs> so we already do that and so i don't know that like if i were to think about that and also someone who's like incredibly severely severely dyslexic like i really like sure i do not process information the way that people who can look at words and understand them well that's what i wonder can. is if it can like, enhance that i well i would you know like i can i could imagine that you could like i think my optic nerve is probably pretty good i bet if you like through like i actually think it's it's more that the world around me doesn't have a lot of information kind of trying to sure. go in all of the time more yeah, like, yeah, more right. than my it's brain can process things quickly yeah like i feel like you more interesting thing is to try and like get your brain to f force your brain to to store and process well it's like a it's like a backup time delay drive right ears. yeah really quickly exactly and then but you know what's funny black like mirror has an episode about this I've never watched that show once. I swear, okay. I swear on my like on my life, I've never watched that show once. Okay, you've never watched it, but there's an episode where they basically explore the implications of what if you recorded everything through your eyes and you could retrieve it at any time, and it's incredible. Basically, like it suggests that the world will become basically it'll be like, like oh that's... you said you said this and then you like rewind and you're like oh well no actually you said this well you're cheating on me. you know like there's a whole thing there that's a that's a pretty big implication for society is like. What if you never forget anything? I don't know. I don't forget very much. 
Well, I th- I think every yeah, but you don't remember different. the intricate details of everything, and I think that's the key. Is like the the episode even talks about like the whole point is that it records everything through your eyes, and so there's this one moment where he's looking at the girl, and he like rewinds, and he's like, "Look, you looked down when you said that to me, so you were clearly lying." You know, like it's all those small things that you don't know notice in the moment, and the implications of that are heavy. You'd be amazed at what I can remember, but I do agree that like I I think humans can i think humans can do a lot more than we think that they're we are yes. capable of and i think the more interesting thing is making the whole like one thing i read about recently is injectable um embeddable growing electronics that um <laughs> so did you read about this no but it sounds <laughs> no it's really cool actually so as you know the brain is just electricity and neural networks are just neural networks, which, and that, and then neural network, AI neural networks are modeled after the neural networks that run in our brain. And that's why they're called neural networks. Um, and so there's like this embeddable, it, it's almost like you could think of it like a fruit roll up and you would like inject it and it would unroll itself. And then it basically gives, um, and then like an enhancement to the connectivity. And so neural networks can basically grow faster and more densely through this stuff that they could right, inje- right. Inje- basically inject into your brain. Um, like that kind of stuff sounds more interesting to me than like, I think Elon wants to like literally hook us up to a computer. And I think yeah, it's more interesting. Yeah, to I gave you a CPU upgrade. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I also though think we're running into a, uh, 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 very, very, we gotta have a, like, there should be a really for real, for real social conversation about this because you're just well, getting into the haves and have nots being able to have so much more than the have nots. And also what, yeah, the, I think at some point there'll be a line in the sand where you'll have people who enhance their actual physical body with a computer and those who don't. And I think that's a bigger line in the sand than any human thing in the past. You know, I mean, that's, that's a vague thing, but that's a huge advancement. Like you could say that's a bigger jump than technology becoming a thing. It's a bigger jump than anything else. And then you're going to have half of society or more who can't do it or doesn't want to do it. I think wars alone will come from that. Isn't that what Ghost in the Shell is about? Yes, but not the shitty new one. I quite liked it. Yeah. The, I mean, I haven't watched it, but the whitewashing puts me off. Anyway, <laughs> we're not was, here to talk about movies. It was fine. <laughs> anyway. But, I mean, I, I think there's actually serious social implications there. Like, nobody's ever explored. Google Glass was, we couldn't even handle that shit because people c- couldn't lose their minds not having a camera on their face. Now, imagine if it was just your body and you had a computer strapped to it. You know, like, there's so much more there. And, yeah, it, and if you it, think, it really right, like, worries me. all right, so it's, I could get some cognitive enhancement, you know, implant surgery uh and it would be you know twenty five thousand dollars uh and i would get you know 60 or 70 percent more right you know processing power therefore in every situation comparatively to anyone no matter you know what i'm i'll always be likely 25 percent faster yeah sure what if i can process like the stock market's really good or yeah like you you, then 
I don't know. I just, I feel like. It's like the neck level uh, accumulation of wealth. You know, you have this whole thing with the Walmart family who have all this cash. It's almost like that, but with all the intellect as well. Yeah. So I used to say that there was, I thought that there was two fundamental issues with society, education inequality and uh, income inequality. But I recently revised that to um, knowledge inequality and upward mobility inequality, because I think that it has to include one level more than socioeconomics also has to include this coming like huge wave of technology inequality that has already existed, but is going to become, you know, more and more and more intense. And I was even thinking about like, you know, I was, I went, when the iPhone came out, I went across the border, uh, I was to, to Detroit and just waited at outside an AT&T store and pick one up and went back to Canada and I couldn't even jailbreak it or put it on a network or anything like that. I just want to have one. And then, and then after like two or three weeks, someone jailbroke it and then I had an iPhone and it worked. And I thought about my productivity, my actual real productivity increase when that happened was actually quite steep. Yeah, sure. And it's the same, but and like no one now. else had that, but other people, like, I mean, there was blackberries and stuff like that, but Nothing you get HTML email on yeah, your phone. Like it, it really was quite, quite good, and it got better and better and better. And still, I feel like it's only been in the last five years or so that I would say that I felt the iPhone has been, you know, air quotes ubiquitous in 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 the Western society anyway. And so, I think that this next level of of that stuff is just going to be like it. Honestly, makes me gives me anxiety like it makes me feel really uncomfortable and i and i the level of conversation is so shitty like people are not like actually having good conversations about this stuff we're still talking about you know things that in in like in the most realities of realities of you know 10 years playing out frankly and like it's probably not you know, people don't want to hear this, but like whether or not Donald Trump builds a wall or like whatever doesn't matter compared to the, just like how we as a species are doing like generally and like in relation to the earth and stuff. Like I'm sure that people have been saying this like forever and like, you know, we're just like saying shit that people have always been saying, but God, it really does scare me. I think, and I, and I don't think I'm alarmist. Like, I just think at least if we had a proper conversation about this stuff at some level, um, you know, people would be more prepared for it. But I, and I don't even know what that looks like, but I said in the Slack the other day, like if, if anyone who can do anything right now, cause I think someone was talking about how, how kind of helpless they felt it's like you can be that weirdo who starts talking about this stuff, you know, in the lunchroom at work or like at their church or in their community center or whatever, and continue to be that weirdo and push the conversation and see what people think and, and educate and learn from them. Like when do we talk about this stuff, right? Like there's no place for this. Even in society, like there's no nothing no. in society talking about this right now. I think society is just like, yeah, AI and 
self-driving cars and human brain melding is not it's it's so far away we don't even have to think about it and i'm like sitting here like oh god it's it's close i mean the the library used to be really important when i think about it's weird because when i was really really young living in scotland if we wanted to go have like if i wanted to go have conversations like the library would the, like the local library would be where we would go and there'd be people there reading books. And there would also be people there that were knowledgeable about a lot of different subjects. And it was like an interesting place right. to go and, and talk to people and learn about things and whatever. And then, and then when I was in high school, the library was really important um, during like lunch break and stuff like that, because, you know, we'd go all hang out. Well, I was a nerdy like a super nerd. So I at least hung out with all the other super nerds in the library. And like, we talked about stuff like this, like technology and where things were going and what we were going to do with our careers. And like, and then I go to, um, you know, Detroit and I go visit an elementary school. And I notice that all the kids are sitting in the cafeteria on their cell phones. And I'm like, hmm, yeah, they're not interacting. They're not I learning. guess that I was like the last group of high schoolers that, you know, didn't have that. And then all of a sudden it was there sort of, I think after everyone after that had all connectivity and phones and stuff like that, you know, in at least people who could afford it and stuff like that did. So, and I, and now it's at the point where, everyone is connected to everything connected to everyone all the time and but well how does it feel not to be on twitter i mean this is relevant right yeah i i was actually just thinking about this yesterday like i don't know i i really like it i mean i definitely feel so there's a weird thing that has basically Right. Where I'm super focused and like i i really am not distracted from my work all my, but but even more importantly my thoughts are focused so they don't wander as much anymore. Um, so like, I don't think about like my, I just, my thoughts stay for longer on important things that I'm working on and I can think about them for longer and deeper just cause I don't have that, those other distractions. There is still like an underlying very occasionally sort of anxiety that I get of I'm missing out. Of, I don't know. <laughs> I guess it's sort of a FOMO type thing. Not being plugged into the hive mind might feel that way because you've you've gotten used to the pace of information coming at you, you know? I, I think that Twitter provides a very... It's literally like plugging into a computer. Like, you can plug into the world of everybody talking. Yeah, so it the feels thing, like that. And I've also, like... I mean, I've never been big... Like, I just... I, I don't... I feel like I've read... Like, I don't... I just read news sites and, like... I'm, most of my day is just reading the news, but like not just reading the news, like actually researching things that are going on and like trying to figure out what's actually going on with them and sort of like what the ideas around them are and stuff like that. Just like thinking about the business and like working with like our team, talking to our investors, talking to our partners, email correspondence back and forth. I really don't like email much. Prefer to talk on the phone. Um, a little bit of hacker news and some pot and then um and then uh some audiobooks um and then phone calls just like work phone calls and stuff like that and then a lot of just thinking time and um and then before 
a lot of that, like just thinking time, time would, I would like basically use Twitter and stuff like that. And I think as like right. a way to almost think I was thinking sort of like, I don't know. Yeah. And you're so, like thinking a thought to the world. Yeah. And so the that's what it feels I, like. The, what I've realized is that it, the, it's the, yes, there's a lot of information there and it's like, and it's, and it's of a relatively high quality comparatively to what was there 10 years ago. Like when I, you know, when I was in my early, you know, or like even 15 years ago. Um, well actually the internet had really high quality content 15 to 20 oh, years ago. It was ago. great. It was just it was hideous, really good. It was great. Like the last 10 to 15 years, like, so there was definitely like an increase in, in what I perceive to be like high caliber, um, good information that helped me with my thoughts and helped me kind of, you know, do the stuff that I was doing in the rest of my life, you know, and think about what was going on in the rest of my life and understand other people's lives and stuff like that, which I think is pertinent to, to your life. And so, and, but I think in taking that out, I've realized, and then really focusing myself to be the filter and the, and the, and the researcher and the person that seeks out the information that actually the caliber and quality of, of, of discourses with frankly, and not to be a dick, but like really low, like pretty, pretty bad. Like it's, a lot of arguing. It's a, it's not, it's like, there's so much pedanticism. There's yeah, so yeah. Why did much, you say word? Oh yeah. <laughs> so much focus on semantics. It's not even funny. And then, and then like just a lot of people who are kind of using very surface pieces of context that can as like mm -hmm. ways to form like very solid um, evidence-based, you know, opinions and theses on things. And when you go and you, and then, cause a lot of it, what it, that stuff is, is just opinions and people's philosophies and, and ideas and theses. And, but when you, and then they kind of use these like lightweight pieces of like evidence, if you will, of like links to this, that, or the next thing as mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. you know, and then, and then because other people kind of, you get this confirmation bias echo chamber thing that builds up. Yeah. There's 200 it, of us talking about it, it. Yeah. It feels really real. But if you completely, completely, completely ignore that, and then you just like pay a pay attention to what's going on in the world, and so like it's so funny, I, um, I like have a bunch of things that so I use news.google.com, and then I have like a bunch of things that I search once a week throughout the course of the week and read about um, as, and I use them as indicators of other things. So one of the things is Spain. Like I always just like once a week I go put Spain into Google news and just see what's happening in Spain. And sometimes maybe about Greece. I think that's a good barometer for, um, the general health of it. Cause like somewhere in between like the more developed European nations and the, and the like ones that are struggling like Greece and stuff like that. Um, right. and so it's like, I <laughs> yeah. find it, a, it's like an interesting kind of way to get a, a quick pulse check on Europe, basically on like the economy and what's going on there. Um, and the Spanish people like, are pretty laid back and chilled. And so, you know, they're usually not alarmist and stuff. So, and then like global warming and stuff like that. And so right. Laura's, Laura's like, do you literally just like always just search these <laughs> things and read about them every week? Like I always see you your searching these things. Your is like, just like, what? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah, because these are the things I use. So like, that's just part of the thing I mean about paying attention to the world. And then the thing about news.google.com is you can build 
pretty quickly a kind of um, screen of things that are like important to you. And, and, and it does a really good job of basically being an RSS feeder, like it aggregates together all the headlines. And, you know, if you're, if you're a sensible person, you can like look for the clickbait and the alarmist stuff. And so, um, and then you can just like go off and you can, and if you do that for an hour every day, that is like a zillion times more productive than the, you know, what you, you know, tricking yourself into the two and a half minutes to three minutes to five minutes of consuming Twitter 40 times three a day hours sort of probably. thing. Yeah. yeah. Which terrible. you think is just checking Twitter quickly while you're like, but it's five minutes you know. every 15 minutes for the yeah. whole day, you know? <laughs> yeah. Interesting. So, One more thing we need to talk about quickly. Okay. To stay on time today. I think you, I think, I think we're going to stay on time, right? We're over time. I'm now, I'm currently, Tim messaged me. He's like, are you going to be on this call with the chief innovation officer of Columbus, Ohio? And <laughs> I was like, uh, my podcast going to run a little bit long. So I'll join you in a minute. All right. So we're fine. Well, we can talk about one last topic. Cause I know you want to talk about Tesla's valuation. Oh God. I love Tesla. What the hell happened? Well, um, is, is Tesla overvalued is your, the first thing I want to ask you. <laughs> I, no, that's not. Well, so, okay, I will read you, I will read you the, the, the TechCrunch head, headline, but there, this was a similar one with, um, um, so Tesla is now worth more than GM, making it the most oh, no. valuable U.S. automaker, um, and that's TechCrunch. And then also uh, yesterday, uh, apparently, and then, you know, it's market cap uh, surpassed Ford's market cap. And so that's bullshit, right? Well, the thing that really bothers me about that is you're talking about a, so it's the, it's like, um, taking a startup valuation, uh, like you could kind of put it in the light of the startup valuation world too. Just so bear with me for a second. Right. So you, um, you like have this idea for an app that you're going to build. And so you like go build a little MVP and then like, uh, and it's like, uh, and it's like, um, let's say it's 2012 and your MVP is like, oh, it's early 2012. And your MVP is like, oh, I'm going to like make, um, app like this apps for VR. And then, um, and then, so you like make a little MVP app store for the VR world. And it's amazing. And then, yeah. And it's pretty good. And then, so then the next week Magic Leap gets like a billion dollars in funding or whatever. And then all the investors are like, oh my God, you know, this, this VR thing is a huge market. It's a huge space. And then you go out and you raise $5 million at a $900 million valuation. In that, in that position, you're, you're chasing a, a value, right? You're saying, in theory, if I execute, I like to think about startups as a bubble where there is a core and then there's a shell and the shell is the total potential of the business. And then outside of the shell is the rest of the market and it kind of pushes right, it, right. pushes in on you. And you start in the very beginning with just you or one other, two other people. And you want to think of like this grid and web of, of stuff that ex should expand all the way out. And eventually if you've done a really, really good job, this web of just like hits the outside of the shell. Right. And so that's mm -hmm. like chasing your valuation, right? You like grow into your market. And so you, you're building <laughs> into that. Right. And like, so then you say, it's your okay. destiny. then you say Tesla, right? Tesla has, has, does not have, you know, the enterprise value of 
uh, $34 billion. It may, right. it may have investors who are willing to go long on um, Elon's vision of a business that will be worth $34 billion. But, sure, sure. Uh, you know, Ford and GM have literally years and years and years of IP and supply And they're printing money. Like, they actually make money. Oh, they make so much money. Like, I... The the comparison, I just, like... You're comparing a maybe to something that's already there. Amazed that these headlines got published. Like, I'm actually amazed... These people don't care, though, because to them, they're like, yeah, this validates that Tesla is cool and disrupting everything. But Tesla could fuck up and then make the same car over and over and over. You're like, they're basing the future value yeah, of something on what they see now. Other, exactly. Or any of these other businesses that are at, like basically have boats full of cash, like chilling out right. in the public market. Uh, and 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 boats full of cash available to them, they don't they don't need to be reactionary, right? They can they are on iterative paths. They are old yeah. school manufacturing companies that will iterate their way straight into Tesla. And like you better believe that's true. You can literally argue this about any big company. Any big company can iterate its way out of hell eventually. I sat if down they have enough with, money in the bank. I sat down with Ford last week in Detroit, which is probably why I'm more right annoyed about this than I would have been the <laughs> week before. But and I listened to their ideas of the future of what they're like working towards. They're not idiots, you know. They're not sure. like they even have a startup lab. lab. They're not. They're not. I think I said this last week, and I just think it's becoming truer and truer that we think about the enterprise as like, you know, really bad. And in reality, that was true. Certainly through the dot com era, they didn't do a very right. good job of building web software and like getting online. <laughs> What's an API? Yeah. Yeah. But um, Ford will get there for sure. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't necessarily matter who gets there first and who makes the better thing in the long run. Right. Ford has a I mean, billion dollars invested in Argo AI. You can, like, but you can literally argue this. Like the perfect example of this is Apple. They didn't. They weren't first to the smartphone market. They were fucking late, and they made an iPhone, and it was better, but it wasn't the best. And they iterated on it for seven years, and now you have the phone that still is leading the market. It's it's the same. Tesla is there first, maybe, but anybody else can iterate on it. I don't know. The only, I would say the only thing that Tesla really has, like I'm long on Tesla, don't get me wrong. The biggest thing they have is they don't have the legacy shit that Ford has. Ford has for every one engineer who has a great idea, he has a thousand people he has to argue with. Why aren't you using X system that we already developed? Why aren't you using this? Why aren't you using that? That's all, that's the biggest difference in my mind. So I said, I, I, I did say, yeah, I think you're right. And I said, said kind of to them, like, it's probably easier for a technology company to turn into a manufacturing company than it is for a manufacturing company to convert into a technology company. Yeah, it is. But Ford, I mean, you just go look what they've done. Like they have Ford Smart Mobility as a wholly owned subsidiary that has its own CEO and um, operates like autonomously, but in conjunction with, yeah, like, and they, and they didn't, they invested like, in Argo AI, they have, they bought Argo AI, but they didn't 
they don't like Argo AI is on, on a mission to go, you know, do some other stuff that is not like is, is important for Ford to be successful, but isn't really directly related to like core core business. And when you look at what Ford's core business is, they're really good. You know, they know how to do safety tested, um, highly, um, highly scaled, high production, um, uh, you know, manufacturing and, and fundamentally they can make a car that's safe yeah, and they do their own tooling. Like they, they know how to do this stuff. So Tesla is literally finding its way in the dark in that regard. And it's still valued. Like, yeah, it's, <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually pretty long on Ford. I like, yeah, I would, I would invest in Ford. Um, Interesting. I think, yeah, I would, I actually will probably buy some Ford stock. Like I think I would, I would believe that. Like I, I can see, I I've heard a lot of good things about what they're doing in the space, even, even incubating in themselves. And I think that's pretty smart in a big legacy business. That's a hard thing to do for and any be, executive team. To be clear, I don't not believe in Tesla and like, yeah, sure. or, and also I think that both of those companies are going to come under pressure from 3d printing and, um, sure. you know, you know co- companies that, because I think it's, but I think it also it's, it's that narrative, to, man. It's that narrative. Like for Tesla to win, does Ford need to lose? No, like no, what? Right. it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. matter. Like Ford didn't win cars. I mean, I can go buy a Honda tomorrow. Like, <laughs> yeah. So comparing Mar that's why I think the articles are weird. Like I do think that the Tesla like hypey, you know, Elon Musk fanboy stuff is like Well, he's a god to the nerds. I mean, well look, I think a lot of people really like him and I think that he should be very well respected in the same way that, you know, Steve Jobs should be very well respected and Jack Welch should be very well respected and Sam Walton should be respected and like a bunch of other people who have done, you know, a bunch of other white men in America, right? I mean, but I don't think that they did they did or are doing anything particularly special outside of using their immense amount of privilege and resource to um, and a bit of smarts that's it and, and like well an imagination right i think the key is that those are all people who are not scared to imagine still um and at least the education system for the last 60 years has certainly not been a proponent of um, producing people who uh, use their imagination. It's been focused on giving people a basic education. And so I guess that relies on your circumstance at that point. And I guess those people also all, all had circumstances that allowed them to imagine. And then they had resources that allowed them to execute. And I think that's really the key to all this startup stuff. You have to be able to imagine and then you have to be able to collect resources together and execute that imagination. And if you can do that well and other people agree with your imagination, then you'll do stuff. And the key, the most secret of secrets is just imagine close to reality, right? Just and imagine. And just do it and yeah. don't just talk about it. <laughs> and it, and then it's really fun because then you're doing something that you're imagining and that's cool sure and that's why elon musk is good at it he's like building tunnels and mel- melting our brains with computers i don't know yeah, but, he just talks about shit like, and then he's like hey people want that <laughs> there's so many problems to solve. i was thinking yesterday like if i like i don't know i think about startup ideas all the time i like 
I should go size this market, but I bet you if someone went and did some research on it and wrote in, like, I bet you it's like over a hundred million dollars, like globally street sanitation, street sanitation. Cause I was walking to the office and I just left the house and I was, and Eric just got a Roomba. My roommate just got a Roomba and it's like, Oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> it's, it's pretty shit, but it's uh, not like atrocious. Right. Um, right. And I thought, oh, but it was like 60 bucks or something. Right. And I thought, geez, like with, you know, 90% better technology, you could probably make a version of this that could, you know, take care of cleaning, basically washing the sidewalks every night. Well, there's a, um, there's a version that's got machine learning now. It's the competitor called Nito. It learns your house so it doesn't repeat anything. Right. So why couldn't you, like, I bet you, like, so why aren't people doing, like, why isn't someone starting a street sanitation, modern street sanitation company and replacing, it like, itself. yeah, like, they're just little Roombas that go around the street at night and clean the city. Like, it's not a difficult thing to do. It, like, it really isn't. If you went, like, all the technology is there for sure, a hundred percent. The market is there for sure, a hundred percent. So if you could convince someone to give you... $10 million in five years. Right. I guarantee you, you could build a hundred million dollar business. The city of Amsterdam is all about the giant street cleaning robots, but they're driven by human and there's hundreds of them and they drive everywhere every night. So like you could profit off a couple of cities alone. Also, I would like nanobots, nanobot, um, snow removal. So that's also on your list of things you guys have to invent. Please. There you go. Boom. Boom. John, right. you should go and do your call. I'm now but 22 minutes late. I have one thing to say. Chargepodcast.com is where you can get the show notes. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Review us on no, iTunes. Love, we love I, it when you do. We do like it. No one's reviewed us in a while either. Yeah. So if you're listening and you got to this far in the podcast, please do review us. It does mean a lot. And I, I sincerely mean that. Like, It gets us on the charts. It means that people see that it's a good podcast if it's not bad. But... Yeah, like, please do review us or write to us if you don't like it. Like, I'd love to hear from you. Or if you do like it, it's hello at chargepodcast.com. And we and both get it. The Slack. It's pretty cool. And you should join the Slack. I said the URL at the start, so I'm not going to say it again. But please come hang. Soon we'll have more on, like, actually building that community into something. But for now, come and hang out with us. Uh, that's it. Samsung, John has to go make money. Samsung <laughs> Galaxy A. See you next week. We will talk about that next week. I have many okay. feelings. All but right. until then. Bye for now. Bye.